Amen. That was beautiful, sister. I'm telling you right now. Um, and I'm going to need a Kleenex because I looked and dug and dug in my purse, and I did not have one, but I have residual. So thank you so much. Amen. And then I'm going to raise this. All right. Happy Mother's Day and good morning. I am thrilled to be with you, and thank you so much, Michelle, for the invitation. I love you dearly. I love your sweet family. It was get, nice to get to meet your mom and dad, so thank you so much. I wanted to just tell you a little bit more about myself before we get started here. Um, my husband and I will be married 38 years in September. I know we were 11 and 12 when we got married, but anyway, we've been in ministry 33 years together. And um, we have four daughters, four son-in-loves, and seven grandbabies. If you can put that picture up there. Um, all of them are in full-time ministry all over the United States, which makes being a Mimi and Papa a little difficult. My heart hurts, especially on days like today. But God is so good, and I get to be with you amazing people. So our oldest is far left. Her and her husband pastor in Iowa, and they have three babies and then Marissa and Mitch is our youngest. She just got married at the end of December. And then there's my husband and I. And then Kayla and Caleb are both executive pastors in downtown L.A. And they have their two babies there. And then our third daughter, Hannah, is at the, the other end on the right. And her and her husband are youth pastoring in Indiana. Um, we are very blessed and um, I thank the Lord. I joke all the time saying I, we were hoping for some doctors and lawyers amongst the group. But they all had a call in their life to be in ministry. Well, since it's Mother's Day, I wanted to remind all of us, like Michelle referenced even earlier, none of us would be here if there wasn't a woman who had given birth to us. So today's a birthday. And I want you to look at someone next to you and say, I'm so glad you were born. Isn't that fun? I'm glad y'all were born. <laughs> awesome. Well, also, um, you may not know this about me, but I love myself some good memes. How many of you know what memes are? I don't know. I can sit there for literally minutes and just die laughing. So I have a few memes I want to show you today for Mother's Day. First, look at this one. Mom, what's it like to have the greatest daughter in the world? I don't know, dear. You'll have to ask Grandma. Next one. Am I a good mother, Susan? My name is Amy. She missed that opportunity. To all the weird moms. Look at that one. I'm a weird mom. What's the next one? Am I childproof my house, but they still get in? Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> And then look at this poor mom on Mother's Day. Stripped of her youth and energy and her money, she quietly reflects on the joys of kids. <laughs> Those are so fun. Well, listen, we're going to get into the Word today. So would you turn uh, to your hard copy Bible or your apps to Luke 8? And I want to share with you a message I have entitled, Women Issues. Yeah, I know what you're thinking, men. You're thinking she's already nailing this sermon. She's nailed it with that opening title. Well, the truth is we all have issues. And today, 
In Luke 8, we're going to be reflecting on a woman that had some health issues. We're going to talk about three stages in dealing with issues, and they are the situation, desperation, and inspiration. I'd like us to read this scripture, and then we're going to play a short video that will recap these verses. In Luke 8, 43 through 48, and there was a woman who had 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 a discharge of blood for 12 years. The King James Version calls it an issue of blood. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus, we come to you. You are our peace. You're our hope. You're our everything. And God, when we spend hours and hours and hours trying to fix situations, you wait there patiently because you are willing to heal our situation. So I pray today, God, that you would challenge us and we'd leave this place changed as you comfort us in the midst. In your precious name, amen. Listen, church, Jesus is the healer all day long. All day long, he's the one who healed her. And it's because she exercised and reached out with faith. She had an illness. She was bleeding for such a long time. Talk about issues. I think we're all aware, whether we're young or old, Problems, issues, and situations will arise, whether they were in the past or were presently dealing with one. Whatever the case is and whatever issue you brought with you today, I want you to know that God not only sees you, but he knows what you're going through, and he has the answer. He wants you to reach out. You know, I just want to give this simple reminder, but sometimes it's so hard to receive. Will you let him minister to you today? Will you let him speak to you? Will you let him meet you where you're at? Will you be open to what he has for you? God wants you to gain and maintain spiritual victory no matter what your situation. He wants you to have spiritual victory in your situation. So let's start to move through these three stages. First, the situation, then desperation, and inspiration. First, to maintain spiritual victory in our lives, we must recognize the situation. We must recognize there is an issue. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever told you that you have issues? <laughs> have you heard that before? Have you said that to somebody? You know, I, I just, full disclosure here, my husband has issues, guys, and I'll just let you know. <laughs> There was a Mother's Day card he gave me not too many years back, and here's what it says. It says, he was amazing, adorable, wonderful, incredible, irresistible, lovable, and that he's all mine. 
The problem with that is it was a Mother Day card and it was all about him. Can you say issues, right? And for myself, I guess I have issues too. I remember recently, I was pulled over by the police. And for whatever reason, I evade the police and they just aren't attracted to me. But this particular day, I was pulled over and I had no idea why. And so I pull over, I get my license out right away. I roll down the window and I'm all smiles because I'm like, it can't be that bad because I don't even know. I wasn't speeding, you know. And so he says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, you know, I really don't. And uh, he goes, do you always cut through that gas station? I said, I do. I said, multiple times a week, as a matter of fact. I said, that light is really long. Can we do something about that? And he smirked a little bit. And uh, he left and came back. And uh, he just had a warning. Thank you, Jesus. And he goes, you know, ma'am, it's illegal to cut through gas station parking lots. And I said, oh, are you sure? Because again, that light's so long. If we, it saves me a couple minutes every time. And I said, but listen, I said, I know now and I will never do that again. And you know, I never did. I kept my word. I was tempted. I have been tempted, but I never did it again. And you know, there's people in the Bible had issues too, right? Let's start with the men, because we're just having such a fun time doing that. How about Samson, for instance? He had woman issues. He had an issue with pride. And he had anger issues, didn't he? And then what about King David? He had an issue with adultery, didn't he? Looked at another woman sinfully with lust in his heart. That was the first time he committed adultery. The second time is when he went and fulfilled it. Things start in our heart, church. Things start in our heart. He had an issue with adultery because he had an affair with Bathsheba and then eventually had an issue of murder on his hands. And then, of course, Judas had an issue. He had an issue of betrayal as he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. One of the worst hurts can be when a friend betrays you, isn't it? Somebody that's close to you. But the women weren't perfect either, gang. Take Eve, for example. She had one job, everybody. One job, and it wasn't to eat of that. She was not to eat of that one tree. I mean, one job. She had an issue of disobedience. She had to have that piece of fruit, and it brought sin into the world, and now we still deal with that issue today. What about Sarah? God told her you were going to have a baby, and she was up in years, and so what did she do? She laughed at God. She's like, yeah, you're funny. (laughs) She didn't believe him. She had an issue of distrust. And then Job's first wife in Job 2.9, listen to what she told her husband. Are you trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. She's a real encourager. (laughs) I mean, seriously, her name was Sidados which literally meant unfaithful wife, and it had the same root word as Satan. Ew. That's an issue. Wow, don't ever name your children. Citados. And then there was Jezebel, and she pretty much was the issue, wasn't she? 
Now, a lot of these examples we just talked about, they brought this on to themselves, but the reality is that not every issue is brought on to ourselves by ourselves, is there? You know why we know that? Because Jesus let us know in the word of God that sometimes that will be the case. In John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. The Greek word for tribulation is thalipsis, which means trouble, trial, and tribulation. It means difficult situations and storms. It means issues. In the world, you will have tribulation. That sounds like a downer message, doesn't it? But listen, in Christ, nothing ever has to be that way. He's your peace. He's your comfort. He's your strong tower. He's your healer. He is there for us. And then the scripture goes on to say, though, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. No matter what you've gone through, he has already overcome it. He has taken it upon himself on the cross. It died, it was buried, and it was a resurrected new in him. And we cannot forget that, church. No matter what happens. We cannot forget that. Let me give you the Crystal Lund translation. In this world, you're going to face problems, but he's got you. He's got you. It said in our text in Luke 8, 43, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. This is a major issue. It brought trouble, pain, shame, and loneliness into her life. She was affected emotionally, physically, relationally, and financially. In every way. Physically, she kept losing blood internally, and no doubt it weakened her and wore her down. But it was more than just physical. It was emotional. Emotionally, I'm sure she was depressed because she had to. Con- uh, she was considered unclean due to her illness of bleeding. Think of how that must have felt. Being unclean in those days meant there was no personal interaction. There was no hugs. There was no even pat on the back. I am thinking of you. You know, think about what you do when you come in here today and you're loving on each other and you're, hey, so good to see you. She was considered unclean and she had to be by herself. Emotionally, she was affected in every way. So physically, emotionally, and relationally, friends and maybe even family had to cut her off and push her away. She was unfriended on Facebook. And if all that wasn't enough, we see that it was even affecting her financially. We read in the text, really read it, though she spent all her living on physicians. All her living. Not just her gas money that week. Not just her grocery money that week. Not just the money on insurance or anything like that. All her living because she was desperate to be delivered. And maybe many of you are dealing with issues. First, let me say, I'm so sorry. I am. Maybe it's a financial issue you're going through, and you're not sure how you're going to pay the bills. God's got you. Possibly your situation is emotional, and you find yourself fighting fear and anxiety and depression. He's got you. Maybe you're facing relational issues. Your marriage is struggling Your children are a challenge. He's got you. 
And lastly, maybe like the woman in the story, you've been dealing with a physical issue. Whatever the illness is, I want you to know that he's got you. I want you to know that for every problem, God has a promise. He's got you, church. The truth is we'll all face situations in life, and at times it'll seem like no one has the answers. Not the doctors, not your pastor, not your counselor, not your spouse, not your family. They'll have nothing for you. And maybe you're suffering in a way that you don't understand. Have you been there? Listen to what Dick Brogdon from the Live Dead Project wrote. What if my suffering reflects the suffering servant who so innocently paid the price for others? What if God thinks beyond just the two of us? You know what that says to me? God sees the big picture. He sees everything. He knows how your circumstances can be used to propel you forward. He knows if you position your sails correctly when the storms come, that you'll sail right out of that if you put your faith and trust in him. What if it's more than just the two of us? Because it is. He died for everyone, and he sees your pain and your suffering. What if suffering is a way that we identify with Christ on a deeper level? There's a time when I didn't understand the suffering our family was going through. I remember sitting on the couch at home on a Sunday afternoon. I had been battling headaches that were indescribable. I seriously... Probably the only thing I'm afraid of is those headaches. And I sat there, and I remember the sounds of the room began to dull, and my, my eyesight began to pinhole. And I thought, what's going on? What? And then I must have went out and come to, and my husband's over me. Krista, what's going on? What happened? He goes, you don't look right. What's, what's the matter? I didn't know. I was just tired, but my headache was gone. So I was like, wow, maybe I got touched by the Lord. I was, I was rejoicing. He goes, no, something's, something's funny. And I said, I just want to sleep. So I, I stood up, and I, I felt like I just wanted to fall to the right. And so I lay down. I slept for two hours. I get up, and he looks at me, and my pupils were so dilated. He goes, Krista, something's not right. And I said, well, what did I do? And he goes, I don't know. It looked like a seizure or what? I don't know. So I went to the hospital after weeks and weeks and weeks of testing in intensive care, doing everything they could, they finally found out that I had um, blood clots in both of my vertebral arteries. And I had a stroke, full-blown stroke then in front of them. And um, it was a very tedious surgery um, that they were going to need to do called a vertebral artery bypass. And there was very few people in the world that did that surgery. In the midst of coming to the hospital, visiting me, an hour each way, my husband would come. He was trying to continue everything at home, and we were in the middle of planting a church. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Weren't we doing God's work? Weren't we doing what he asked us to do? Why? I didn't understand. You know, and maybe... Your family is going through a situation. But ours, it seemed full-blown. It seemed like a life-and-death storm 
We had issues, church. But I remember thinking, I'm not going to let Satan have a victory here. No way. We, I determined in my heart that I will not allow this situation to make me bitter, but it's going to make me better. We will allow our situations to not overcome us, but we will be the an overcomer. Listen, church, we are faced with issues, but we must make a choice. Will we allow it to keep us in the valley, or will we soar out of that valley in victory? That's what I was going to do. Will we face difficult times? Yes. But will we allow them to lead us to defeat or a desperation for Jesus? That's what I chose to do. So first was the situation. And now secondly, to maintain spiritual victory, let's talk about desperation. After dealing with her situation for years, this woman could have been defeated and destroyed. She could have been bitter in that lonely valley, and her issues could have got the best of her. She could have given up, closed herself off from life, but instead, here's what she did. Instead of pushing away, she chose to press in. Instead of pushing away and pushing everybody away and accusing God, she chose to press in in faith-filled desperation. And that's what we need. Faith-filled desperation. Her faith in Jesus Christ is what healed her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. The fringe of his garment could have been from a prayer shawl that he was wearing. The Hebrew word for fringe can also mean wing, and some have interpreted Malachi 4.2, healing in his wings, to be a reference to the prayer shawl. She probably knew the scripture in Malachi about healing in his wings. And so she touched the very fringe, the hem of his garment to be healed. Church, I want you to know that just a simple touch of Jesus can do great things in your life. But we have to reach out. We have to press in and quit pushing away. Come close. You see, I believe that true desperation only comes when we come to the end of ourselves, to the end of our abilities, to the end of our strength, the end of our will, the end of our way, and even to the end of our finances and resources. You know why in America it's so difficult for people to receive such a simple message of Jesus Christ? is because they think they've got the, the world by the tail and they can do it themselves. Until we become desperate for him, we're not going to see the fullness of what he can do for you. This poor woman had tried everything, and there will be days when you feel like you have tried everything too. But the issue is still there. But you know the answer. You know, you may be a single parent here today, and you're trying to make ends meet, and you feel like you're doing it all alone. You might be here today and you're broken over the pain of a prodigal child who just keeps turning away from Jesus. Desperate. 
You might be a mom or a dad who's hurting because their babies are all grown up and moved on and you're just trying to find your place. You might be grieving the loss of a parent, a family member, or a child, and the pain is just so deep. God help them. You might be the one asking why you and your spouse, after trying so many years, still don't have children. Some of you might be here even wondering why you still haven't met Prince Charming because you've always dreamed about marriage and a baby carriage. You might be here today and you're struggling in your marriage. You've tried everything. You've tried counseling. You've tried sacrificially giving of your time and your energy. You've looked for ways to have good compromises between the two of you. And you have spiritually poured into your marriage for it to only remain the same. Church, we got to get desperate. we got to get desperate. You might be a young lady or young man that is feeling isolated and lonely. Or maybe some here today might be feeling marginalized. Opportunities just keep passing you by and you're just tired of trying. Man, don't push away. Press in. Press in. Instead of pushing away, we're going to press in and reach out in desperation for Jesus. Because the right kind of desperation destroys depression, frustration, and affliction all day long. I promise you. When you're desperate enough, you won't take no for an answer. When you're desperate enough, you won't quit or throw in the towel. When you're desperate enough, you won't be stopped by pessimism, fear, doubt, shame, or the voice of the crowd. When you're desperate enough, you won't let anyone rename you because you know who you are. When you're desperate enough, you won't let your situation paralyze you, but you will get up, reach out, and get a touch from Jesus. Can you begin to imagine the level of desperation she must have had to reach out and touch Jesus knowing she was considered unclean? Anyone that touched her or anybody she touched would have been considered unclean too. Desperate situations call for desperate actions. So she reached out to touch, and when she did, Jesus took her uncleanliness and left her healed. She exchanged her uncleanness for wholeness. And that's what we need to do, exchange our brokenness, our pain, our hurt for his wholeness. I don't know about you, but that's powerful. That's powerful. We have the answer, church. We have the answer. We need to lift our head up. We need to get desperate. We need to see other people that are going through situations and get desperate for them. I love that you have a place to come to church. And I love this building and I love your pastor. But there are people out there that are hurting. And they're desperate. And maybe you're even telling yourself, I get so tired of hearing. We got to, we got to, we got to. Yeah, we got to. We got to tell people about Jesus. Because they're broken. And you have the answer. How dare us not do what we've been commanded to do. How dare us. And you know what? This story of this woman is one of those stories that's so powerful that it's shared in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. 
In Mark, it says, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. The NIV says, I will be made healed. And the King James says, I will be made whole. The word made well in Greek is sozo, and it means safe and sound, healed, delivered, made whole, rescued, restored, and saved. Don't you want that for your neighbor? Don't you want that for the person that you see in the restaurant, the same waitress that you see all the time? Don't you want that for them? If not, ask God to give you what you need. Ask God to give you what you need. That one touch from Jesus did all of that. It rescued her, it saved her, it restored her, it healed her. And that's what Jesus wants to do for you. He wants to do that for me. He wants us to be forgiven, healed, and whole. I began to share with you earlier about the issue that I was going through. And it was a rare vascular disease that I found out that I had. I remember before we went into surgery, we found a surgeon in Michigan. That was terrible, guys. I had to go to Michigan. And he wore his Michigan do-rag. And I had to look at that. That was the last thing I saw before I went out. But we went there, and the doctor suggested that I write letters to our girls because he wasn't quite sure of the outcome. That was a situation. My situation was desperate, but so was my desperation for Jesus because I completely trusted him. I had such a peace as beyond what I can explain to you. That morning before the surgery, my husband and I did our devotion together, and we did it out of those, remember those little books, Our Daily Bread? Well, that particular day, a gentleman had taken his wife to surgery, and she died. So we thought we'd do the next day's devotion. That really wasn't for us. It was not a word that God had for us. Uh, yeah, so a five to six hour surgery spent well over 10 hours as my husband, family, and friends prayed and waited in the, the lobby. At the end, the surgery was not a success, meaning this. He could not replace the vertebral artery on my left side. He couldn't find a match. So my left vertebral's gone. The right vertebral, that blood clot, he was able to dissolve that. The doctor came out and shared with my husband that the bad artery was gone, but the bypass was unsuccessful, and they weren't sure what my recovery would look like. Once we finally got home, that was in October. Once we got home, though, in November... 2006, it was only three days later that our daughter Kayla, who was a senior in high school, started having uncontrollable seizures that got worse. Took her to many doctors. They tried to stabilize her through medicine. But nobody had the answers. They got so bad, it began to affect her motor skills, and she slowly started paralyzing, starting at the feet. In January of 2007, she wound up in the emergency room where they placed her in an induced coma. She was on life support and feeding tubes. 
My in-laws stayed at home with our younger girls, and though I was still trying to recover, Dan and I lived at the Ronald McDonald house so we could be close. And it was the most difficult situation that we had faced. These were huge issues. Kayla finally was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome, which causes your immune system to attack your nervous system. And in her case, it was causing seizures and um, she was becoming paralyzed. Why she had to be on life support and in a coma is it usually stops at your waist, but hers went up and paralyzed her lungs. The doctors didn't know if she'd get off life support. They didn't know if she'd ever walk or talk again. At the very least, she would be plagued with memory issues and learning problems. But today, I want you to know she is a pastor. She is a Bible professor with Southeastern University. And although she was told she could never have children because of other female-related issues, she has those two beautiful babies you see right there. Listen, what the doctors couldn't do. What the doctors couldn't do, Jesus did. We were desperate for a touch from him. And I'm telling you, we are healed and whole today because... Of who he is. And for his, for my health, I am a-okay. I don't even have any residuals from those strokes. I have no further complications in my body. God touched me and he healed me. That's what he wants to do for you. That's what I believe desperation rises when we recognize that without Jesus, we are broken and undone. And that's why we reach out to him because he's always reaching our way with forgiveness, healing, and wholeness. Luke 8, 45, Jesus said, who was it that touched me? The reality is he's God and he knew who it was. But he wanted the woman who had reached out to now speak out. Once you get a touch from Jesus, you better speak out. You don't keep it. You don't keep it. You keep sharing it. You speak out. Why does he want us to pray? Because he wants you to hear your words, and he wants to hear that beautiful voice he gave you. He knows what's in your heart, but he wants us to speak out. He wants us to reach out. He wants us to speak out. He wanted her in the midst of the crowd to own her faith. We all need to own our faith. The scripture says, when all denied it, Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. She reached out and then power went out. It's that simple, church. You reach out and power will go out. The one thing I will never understand is God's timing, but I don't get caught up in that. I trust him. I trust him. I'm not going to control him. Maybe his timing isn't always mine, but his timing is always perfect. His timing is always perfect. In that moment, in Mark 33 and 34, the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This morning, I know there has to be 
some issues or situations that are going on. But listen, if you reach out to Jesus with faith and desperation, when faith and desperation collide, I want you to know that there's more than enough power to sustain you and heal you. When faith and desperation collide, when we really get desperate and hungry for the Lord, God can use our lives in a deeper way. He can use us to become an inspiration. So the last point quickly is how do we maintain spiritual victory? We talked about situation, desperation, and now inspiration. Think about this. This story of this woman was from over 2,000 years ago, but it is still inspiring us today. It is still being used. She had desperation for God in the midst of her situation and was touched and transformed by the power of God, and she is still an inspiration to all of us today. Listen, I want you to know whatever storm that you're going through, whatever your family is facing, you can have spiritual victory in the midst. I can also tell you that Jesus was with us through it all. I wouldn't trade the spiritual growth that we had through that for nothing in the world, but I never want to go through that again. It was horrible. I wish there was a better way. But sometimes, because God loves us so much and he knows the big picture and he knows all the lives that will be touched, he trusts us with situations. That's what I remember telling Kayla. I don't understand, sweet girl. All I know is he trusts you. He trusts you. I'll close with this. There's an amazing passage found in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, those issues and situations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. What is Paul saying? He's simply saying that the Lord can comfort you in all your situations so you can comfort and be an inspiration to others. If you would, please just close your eyes so we can just shut ourselves in. So what about you? It would be wrong of me not to ask where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. So I want to ask right now in this moment, is there anyone here that wants to start this loving relationship with Jesus knowing that he's there for you? Is there anyone here who would say, I, I really don't have a relationship with the God of the Bible. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Would you please raise your hand? And I just want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Secondly, are you in a situation 
How are you handling it? Are you in a state of frustration, depression, or desperation for Jesus? Has your desperation led you to reach out and receive a touch from Jesus? Do you understand that God sees your suffering? He sees you right now. I know he's ministering right now in this moment because that's what he does best is reach out to his creation. Are you allowing God to use you and becoming an inspiration to those around you? Is there anyone here that is handling and going through a situation right now and you would just like that extra prayer support? Would you please raise your hand? Thank you. Yes, thank you, honey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, touch them. God, you know what they're going through. God, I pray healing, Jesus. I pray healing right now in your precious name. God, I pray, Father, that you would personalize, Father, the answer for them. Let them know it's on its way. Comfort them today, God. Give them the strength, Jesus. Give them the strength they need, Father, as they go through this storm. Father, I pray, Jesus, that they would begin to think of ways that this can be an inspiration to others because they are going to continue to declare your goodness. And God, even if it's something that they personally can't share, God, I pray that you build in them, Jesus, these mountains, Father, of grace and hope and comfort. God, strength and guidance and wisdom, Jesus, so they will be able to minister for your glory. God, we love you and we thank you.